Welcome to Evolve, reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures, with CEO and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast is dedicated to providing leaders with solutions to build trust, inspire authentic transformation, and improve engagement. Learn about new and tested ways you can revitalize your culture, empower people, and transform your results. Hi, this is Yvette Bethel, and I'm excited to welcome you to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Evolve challenges traditional leadership paradigms and explores modern leadership models, providing ideas you can use to transform your culture. We focus on leadership through the lens of interconnectivity, flow, and balance, exploring ideas that translate into practical applications for contemporary organizational challenges. Our topic for this episode of Evolve is employee engagement in hybrid working conditions. And to explore this with us is consultant, speaker, and change strategist, Rick Cram. (laughs) Thank you, great to be here with you. Yeah, wonderful to have you back. So I'm gonna jump right in because you're not a novice <laughs> on Evolve. You're actually the, the first guest that I've had to come back, so. Oh, I'm honored, <laughs> thank you very much. That, that, that's, a, that's a significant compliment, thank you. Yes, yes, so uh, the first question, um, we're, we're talking about employee engagement and given the environment that we're in now, and I was looking at uh, an article and I saw that the state of the global workplace um, study found that 85% of employees are not engaged at work. Surprise. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. So, and across the globe, various studies, I've read Gallup and a number of others, where they show that engagement is low across, across the world. What do you consider to be the primary reason for this? Or reasons? Uh, Well, thank you. I think you're touching on this at a critical time. I do believe it's more important than ever. And to your point regarding Gallup, I've been studying their their research for a good number of years now as well. A lot of them, uh, what they put out frequently was the number that only about 33% year to year are engaged. Right. And that, but to shine a light on that 85% number is a real exclamation point to say that uh, this is more important now than ever. And I do believe it's a combination of, I'll, I'll actually float two or three things, just at least for starters. One is that engagement hasn't been satisfactorily addressed it, uh, for, for years. And then mm-hmm. add to that the pandemic and working remotely, two major changes, two major challenges which are relatively new, really, even though we're almost two years into this, um, is a reflection of how a major change or challenge like that shines a light on a pre-existing problem. Mm -hmm. Engagement has been low. Uh, Disengagement has been high for a long time, and now it's even higher. Mm -hmm. And, And challenges, changes again, just to put it another way, have a unique way of forcing us to take a look at something that needed more attention anyway. You know, the 
I think while I was asking you the question, I was thinking, you know, people will probably think this is an obvious answer. The pandemic, of course, is causing it. But no, you're quite right. It's been at 33 uh, percent, according, uh, according to Gallup, for many years. And uh, it hasn't really changed, has it? Uh, it's still at 33 uh, percent. And what do you think uh, is going on there? I, I believe there are a few things. One, I believe there's a, a void in, in, in two or three key ways, including um, leadership. Mm-hmm. I would actually wrap into that uh, communication strategies uh, between leaders and their teams, as well as, I would even say, a challenge to employees to consider what, what is their responsibility in this? Um, engagement is really another word for a relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I remember one, there was one particular person, one of my favorite people that I worked for, the president of Christopher Thomas Associates, Diane Arnold hired me. And I was privileged to work with her for about six years, five or six years. And every, every year we had a two-part meeting, a two-step meeting. Uh, we would first meet to review uh, a plan, her plan for me, and inherent in that plan was a plan for myself. We would review it each year, discuss it, and then we would get to back together about a week later and share with each other what changes we thought would be worthwhile. Within that, there was a combination of her listening, my listening, thinking about what are the, the, her goals, my goals for, for me, and it set the tone and set the stage. I, I really, she, and she did it wonderfully. She was, she took a look at the whole person um, aspect of my role in the company. I had a leadership role and, uh, and yet it was more than just a job. It was more than the salary. It was uh, more than the kind of responsibility that I had more than just, am I able to do what I want to do, um, what I'm best at? But it was a take, it was a look at who I am uh, and all of the different values I have. I think we'll end up peeling back a couple of layers here on that particular note regarding values. What what do people value? But for for me and what I keep thinking about and some of the work that I've been doing with clients lately, it's a, it's a combination of leadership, responsibility. There, it's a combination of that with. Each employee's what is each employee's responsibility in this, and the relationships involved, and at the core of any relationship is effective communication. Mm-hmm. So those are the, some of the first things on my mind. No, I'm glad you said that because a lot of times people put the emphasis on the leaders, but it has to be reciprocated at both sides or both parts of both. Uh, I guess entities within the relationship should make an effort <laughs> to engage. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, there's a question I like to ask myself and ask of people I work with, or as well as with my clients. What is what is my responsibility, or what does this? If I'm to be engaged, what does this require of me? Mm-hmm. And if everybody ponders that question and answers that question, uh, and I think as we move forward with this conversation, we'll see there's there's a lot to talk about there. Mm-hmm. So it's a shared responsibility or shared yeah. ownership, you know. It, it is, yes. You know, 
a lot of people may have uh, some understanding of what engagement means. Um, uh, can you share with us what it is? Uh, and when you walk into a, an organization, uh, how does it feel and what does it look like? Oh, very good, very good. Uh, well, let me share with you one way that it, here's how it looks and what are some of the answers to your, your questions there. Excellent question. I had the opportunity recently to work with uh, Jim Sapp and his leadership team. They, they're one of the top 25 fastest growing companies in Indiana, uh, Rise um, uh, Commercial District. It's a relatively new concept and they're experiencing 25% growth year after year. And Jim is a, a very effective leader. He takes the time, and interestingly enough, now it was once a year, and now he's increasing it based on the, um, the conference that we just had together. They brought me in to do a program called Plan to Be Your Best as a Team. And the goal was to strengthen team synergy He's got an excellent team. And one of the things to, to your question, when we were together for a couple of days, one of the things that he did exceptionally well was listen, not, mm -hmm. not just making the time to, uh, to um, get together and instead of their weekly meetings, but rather have a weekend together. We were down in Naples, Florida, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, and the, so we got away to a neutral location and he listened to them. And that's the, that's the, one of the first parts of any communication and any relationship is to listen and, and understand. The, the other side of that is that each person there as a member of their team, already a very strong team, already very engaged. They, they shared with Jim very candidly exactly where they are. And where the stress is, where the pain points are, what they, what the, what resources they have to do their jobs. And these are some of the different things that you mentioned Gallup earlier. These are some of the different things that uh, they, ha they have um, uh, as part of engagement. You know, am I, do I have the resources to do my job? Is somebody encouraging me? Mm -hmm. um, is, do we know who we really are, both individually and as a team? having a sense of identity, uh, accountability for each other. Um, we might've talked about this once before, but there was a, a great quote that I came across last year. I think it was by a former basketball player, maybe a former basketball coach who said, um, um, good teams have a, a leader who holds their teammates to be accountable. Great teams look like this. Where each member of the team hold each other to be accountable. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I saw uh, part of taking place in our um, couple of days together. They, they were invested. Everyone was invested and everyone was eager to uh, play a part, including holding each other accountable in, in very healthy ways, I must add. So, if a company has a, a team that's dysfunctional and um, they want to increase their profits through engagement because Gallup uh, studies indicate engagement, engaged employees impact profit, the bottom line, by 
um, you gave an example of a team that's already functional, (laughs) but how would a dysfunctional team make that journey to uh, engagement? Uh, What would they do? Uh, uh, First of all, they would get together and communicate more Mm -hmm. and listen more, listen to and understand each other. There was a health company of consultants in the healthcare industry that I put a a two-day program on, plan to be your best as you navigate change, and they hadn't met in over five years. Now, there are 50 consultants and managers uh, around the country, most of them in the Northeast, mm-hmm. but they hadn't actually sat down with each other. Uh, they admitted, we need this program because we were fractured. We don't have the engagement that we, we think we need to have, especially because they were about to... Um, a risk overnight losing about 60% of their business. So they needed to come together. And one of the things that I see often is, uh, and I think this is more important now, especially when working remotely, where um, teams are not meeting as often as they should. Uh, or to put it this way, there's a lot to be gained by meeting more often. Mm-hmm. If, there, if there are broken relationships, strained relationships, there's a lack of trust. There's a lack of healthy communication. There's a lack of a sense of who we are as a company and as individual teams. The first thing to do is spend time together. And I would, I would venture to say in this way, so that structured time so that it's a shared experience. Mm-hmm. Say more about that. Well, this, this is actually one of the things that I love to do because I've had the opportunity to be the facilitator or um, leader, if you will, of about a thousand events over the past 20, 25 years that are designed specifically for creating shared experiences. Mm-hmm. And it begins with everything from, I would say perhaps there are three or four key facets to it. One is you know what to expect. That means before you arrive, that there's already some communication taking place about here's what we're going to seek to accomplish. Here's what we're going to do to do that. And that when, in so many words, we're expecting you to fully participate. Um, I I remember early on in my career that as I studied the, what was going well with the, these kinds of events with all kinds of different companies, large and small pharmaceutical companies, uh, small businesses, energy companies, product services, uh, product uh, brands, and so forth, is that the uh, events like these that had the highest level of active participation among everyone attending were the most successful. Let me, let me put it a different way. When you are creating an engagement event, if you want it to be successful, find a way for everyone to have a role to play. That's, that's one, one place to start. Mm-hmm. As the, thanks for that, uh, Rick. As I'm thinking uh, along the lines of, as the world is moving toward hybrid working conditions where some people are in office, some people out, everyone might be out, whatever the case may be, <laughs> uh, employees need to be engaged. What are some of the newer 
engagement challenges that uh, you've come across given the, the changes in contact, the, the physical and in interpersonal contact that happens face-to-face? Well, without a doubt, it is the, the lack of uh, connectivity in, in person. Certainly, if it's remote, uh, that means we're not getting together and we're losing that ability to, um, to actually listen and read each other in all the ways that we can. But I would actually submit that it, that's no excuse. I've found and I've, been in, I've had two or three every week for the past almost two years now through the pandemic, uh, virtual meetings where the relationships grow, the health of the, each individual is cared for and nurtured. And, and that means it really falls to a great extent on, on this. And it comes back to the leadership and that is the facilitation skills. The, we're all being challenged to be better facilitators for those of us who are, in, who are leading ourselves and others through all of this. So, and, and this is something I'm very excited about because when you think <laughs> about all right, how to facilitate, that, that's a fantastic opportunity for professional development yeah. and for good things to happen. Yeah. Um, and for example, when, when I work with people and, and, and I've got a program specifically for this, Plan to Be Your Best as a facilitator, we look at not just listening to others, but listening to yourself more and listening to the, the whole person of, for each individual who is a, in attendance, listening for emotions, listening for personality types, listening for pain, listening for barriers, with advancing the skills, skill sets of being an effective facilitator, effective manager or leader of any number of teams. Uh, even working virtually is no excuse for being able to strengthen the health of the team, profitability of the company, effectiveness of engaging people. And we get into such things as not just listening to others, but how you listen to yourself as a facilitator. But when you're listening for others, listening to emotions, listening to different personality types, the more you know about a person's personality, the more you can start to speak with uh, and communicate with them in their personality language, listening for their pain, listening for barriers. There, there's a lot to be said for individual words that people say that reveal uh, opportunities to drill deeper or, or to and to engage in each remote meeting, but also listening to and how to listen for what's not being said. There's a, there's a lot that can be done. And this is a time when, while everybody, uh, part of engagement is um, see finding ways for professional and personal development. We have as leaders an opportunity to do that for improving the, the level of play and how uh, leaders are facilitating remote meetings. We know that uh, a lot of risks uh, are formed around engagement and one of them is, you know, the risks that has to do with the financials of the organization. But are there any emerging risks uh, coming to the fore now that uh, we're in a, uh, a crisis situation that's been over the longer term? Excellent question. I think the greatest risk is, is in, not, in, in continuing to do what, what has been 
par for the course, and that is not addressing this. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've known of too many clients who don't do the engagement studies, don't know the questions to ask. Sometimes it's a matter of not seeing what the upside is to measuring engagement. Sometimes it's a matter of they don't want to hear the answers. Uh, there's a wide variety of reasons, but if we continue um, the in not addressing this with greater um, with greater um, what's 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 the word I want to use uh, greater I'd say candor and eagerness to improve things that we won't not only see improvement but things will get worse. Mm. Interesting. I think uh, in the last year, I read a statistic from uh, Career Builder that 61% of employees are burnt out. Yeah. But when I talk to some of my clients, uh, some of them feel that they're not doing enough work. <laughs> so they, they uh, and, and on both ends of the spectrum, engagement is impacted. So my question to you is, what have you seen happening around burnout uh, in the hybrid work situation and how are employers uh, addressing it? Uh, thank you. The first thing that comes to mind, let me just sh share this reaction. You know, are, why, why be surprised? If people are burned out <laughs> to the rate that they are, do you think that they can actually perform at their best and be as productive, uh, communicate as well, um, perform as well? Uh, think about all the different ways in which we might want to see a, any employee uh, perform, but if they're burned out, um, of course the level of performance is not going to be as great. To, uh, to a great extent, the uh, burnout, I, I know what that's like, I've experienced that a number of times, and yeah. uh, it, there's a less energy, there's less parts of the day, blocks of the day that I can be at my best. If I'm burned out, then there are other side effects that are going to be realized, including the quality of relationships. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, when it comes to, and I actually going back to the example with a uh, rise uh, commercial district and Jim Sapp's company, the, I'd say the team management team are, are, have some degree of being overwhelmed. I'm not, I wouldn't call them burned out. But they they realize uh, they end up realizing two things. One, we we need to get away for a week and work on our team synergy, work on our stress level. At at first, actually, the topic was going to be plan to be your best as you navigate stress. But they ended up shifting to team synergy, um, uh, and uh, just in that, they ended up acknowledging <laughs> we're we're stressed. When they, they thought their, their time would be, and my time would be better spent on the team synergy issues, which to, to a great extent, uh, between the lines, this levels of stress was uh, uh, being, uh, were, were steep or acute. And here's a company that's rocking and rolling. They're doing great. One of the top 25 fastest companies. And they've got a lot to celebrate. And yet, along with rapid growth, just like with hardships of working remotely and so forth, and difficulties in, in any, what any company might ex, uh, experience, 
there's change exhaustion. There is one change after another for them. Mm-hmm. So the stress is there. What they, one of the things that they came away with was that we needed to do this more often. Um, get together, have retreats to basically care for themselves in a different way than they can week in and week out. What about the stress on the other end of the spectrum where people don't have enough work to do because their leaders are not leading uh, uh, as well as they should? Yes, yes. And and I, I believe I know of a few people who <laughs> uh, sort of uh, uh, in the mix of all that they say, they, they, they re- reveal that they're experiencing something like that. They don't have all the work that uh, that keeps them uh, thriving, uh, mm-hmm. being their best, and and to your point, engaged. Right. Uh, um, and and so uh, the first thing I would I would say is well, we've talked about leaders, and we'll, we'll talk more about leaders. But let's look at that other side of the coin. Um, I remember there was one particular uh, just little vignette to describe my wish for employees who find themselves in that situation. Uh, I remember working with one particular uh, person who had filled their time, a lot of downtime, looking for how ways that they could be more effective, Mm -hmm. including going to management and saying, what more can I do? I'm I'm on top of my work and I'm here to, to, to serve you, which is one aspect to be your best. Be, even if service is an important leadership trait, employees can show that leadership trait by saying, how can I serve? I've got more, more I can do. Give, give me more to do. So therein lies part of that, that flip, flip side to the coin about engagement. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is required of us as employees One of, the, one of the things that happens when um, we're working on engagement is in order to address one situation, another one may come out of balance. And it can create, I guess, a, a picture that looks like something unfair is happening when you're trying to adjust for um, something you know, that may not have been properly implemented. Um, what can you say about maintaining fairness through the adjustment process and, and keeping an eye on, you know, what needs to be adjusted? Because sometimes we overlook it in the plan, but, you know, we come back and, oh, wow, they're, they're treating us poorly <laughs> when the intent was to fix it, but you actually created another issue. So the, the analogy I, I would offer is think of it as a brainstorming exercise. With effective brainstorming, you put everything on the table before you even think about new ideas or, or offer up new ideas and communicate with each other how, how, how are we doing here. You put everything on the table. Here's our situation. Here's where we are. Like a full situation analysis. Put every, give everyone the benefit of that kind of clarity, that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of wealth of insight and, and let that be the foundation for all that you do moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, so that when there is that imbalance and those imbalances are part of the natural ebb and flow of, 
of how energy is flowing, how resources, how things are being implemented and so forth. Uh, if there can, it's so easy for one facet to get uh, more attention, um, maybe attention before something else, but that doesn't mean the other isn't, that something else isn't as important. But if we all have front and center, the clarity, the honesty, and ongoing communication about this, that's, that's the first well, most effective way to, to navigate that, because that's going to happen. And so it comes down to um, letting every, involving everyone in the process, giving everyone the same insight. And that's, that's where things begin in each of my programs when I'm working with a company. We, we, we first put all the cards on the table, so to speak. Everything that we know, uh, great openness, great uh, honesty, and vulner even vulnerability, and make that the foundation to navigate what what uh, what choices are being made to move forward, what to implement, and when things inevitably uh, at least seem like they're not getting as addressed as as possible, um, then we can we can address it that also with a great deal of honesty and. Good communication, and I uh, so much as I was looking forward to our talk today, but thinking about how communication is so uh, essential to this that it's ongoing, it's it's clear and open where there's listening and sharing. Uh, it's not a once a year kind of thing. It's not a once a month or even once once uh, every couple of weeks. It's got to be part of the culture of the companies that are going to uh, win. With employee engagement and and as business, it's those that are thoroughly and consistently excellent with their communication. So communication, you talked about facilitation. Uh, you talked about listening, which is a part of uh, uh, communication. Um, those are some of the skills that uh, you're highlighting and emphasizing. Uh, through the engagement process, uh, what are some of the other skills uh, that leaders need to bring to the table to make this happen? Very good, thank you. I believe planning. I believe planning is a, a skill set that um, it's it's time has come for leaders to embrace. There's, there's the idea that there's more to planning than I know. There's more to um, the depth of how to plan effectively uh, that I could, uh, that will be a benefit to me as a leader, to the organization as a whole, to mm -hmm. the engagement equation. Most people uh, don't plan. Um, most people who even have plans in their minds don't have them in writing. Uh, I, I serve my, uh, all of my clients on this and I watch very carefully I'm always looking for, sometimes it's one person in an organization who is a real planner and they, they, they see the value in writing it down and making it a living, breathing document mm -hmm. that they share with everybody. So uh, planning is a skill set. It's something that's learned. Uh, I needed to learn it and I'm still learning uh, deeper and deeper um, uh, skills and strategies for effective planning. It's, it's something that's perpetual, but it, there's so much goodness. 
that comes from having a real plan. Mm -hmm. Having a real plan means uh, getting to the core of part of the engagement problem, and that is a sense of identity. Because there's a direct correlation between I am, here's who I am, or here's who we are, and here's what I can do. Here's what we can do. Yeah, I'd say a little bit more about that. That's interesting. Um, engagement and identity. Uh, uh, very, very good. The If I'm engaged, uh, I, I know a number of things about myself, my team, and my company, my role in the company. First of all, I know who I am. I know where I fit in. I know how the work that I'm doing is tied to the greater mission. And it takes, a, it takes planning and communicating to be able to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. And at a time like this, um, where we're seeing, at I think, a greater level than ever before, just like the disengagement number has gone up, the number has gone up in terms of people saying, and I've heard it verbatim, I don't know who we are anymore. I don't know who I am anymore. There's a, a business owner that I know who, whose business was completely shut down when the pandemic first hit. And he and the business is, is not out of the woods yet. But one of the things he said, two things he said, actually, pretty quickly and very honestly, Rick, I, I don't know who I am anymore, partially because he's, he's not able to do what he does best. It's not just that he can't run his business and he might be losing his business. The, the What he does in his business is part of how he defines who he is. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. If people are uh, identifying with their work as opposed to building an identity based on you know who they really are, which is yeah. much more than your work. <laughs> I first saw this over 20 years ago when I was a facilitator of a, a networking group for about 10 years. And I saw executives from Fidelity Investments, State Street, and others mm-hmm. uh, coming through this, over 100 people. And when we got honest with each other, I heard people say, I don't know who I am anymore. But their sense of identity was so tied to their title, the amount of responsibility mm-hmm. they had, how many people reported to them, mm-hmm. certainly their income, and uh, their prospects for the future. When, when that's gone, and, and that disappeared for a lot of people with the coming of the pandemic to one extent or another, the, there's a, a tremendous void. And not having that sense of self is, is uh, it, it requires uh, exactly that. It requires planning. Um, if someone is to ask themselves any question, such as who am I, in effect, They just started the planning process because planning in effect is the process of asking and answering good, smart, insightful questions. I ask myself that question every day. (laughs) Who am I? Uh, It's good. One one way you can answer that, uh, what I like to do is, all right, make, make, write down three basic things. Mm -hmm. What is true? What is true about you? Mm-hmm. What is good about you, and what is unchangeable about you? Oh, I like that. Yeah. And I found that the the uh, there was, there was one particular woman who was attending a program, and we were talking about this. She raised her hand very honestly, which was the honesty is fantastic. 
she said, I don't know who I am. I don't have a sense of my value. And by within an hour of just massaging that question, those questions, what is true, what is good, and what is unchangeable, um, the, that identity evolves. There's, there's certainly more to it. We can peel back the layers and thinking, what are the different things that shape our sense of self? And, and, and actually, part of my book, one of my books that I'm working on, follows a certain pattern of, of those parts that make up our sense of self. Mm-hmm. The, the idea of um, what, what is it that defines when I'm at my best, how to, how to understand what that looks like. Am I able to do that work, put, put being my, being my best into action? Uh, what are, even what are the outside influences that shape my sense of self? What, what others perceive me to be or say that I am? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the actions that I take? What am I doing? How am I productive? And because how, how when we take a look at the actions we take, the things that we communicate, we are revealing facets of who we are. This, so, this is powerful. <laughs> well, it, it, it's yeah. It's, it's I, I've experienced it myself. I've mm-hmm. gone through different times. There was a when I was going through my fourth, fifth, and sixth knee surgeries, which spanned about three or four years. I was in a tremendous amount of pain, and I started to hear myself say things like that reflected, oh, I am someone in pain. That became a part of my identity. Chronic pain for years and years at a time as a, as a profound way of shaking your sense of identity. So I, I know what it's like to have to do that hard work, but it's good work. It's really yeah, good. yeah. I, I have one last question for you, uh, Rick. And... I noticed um, Mercer did a study and they found that employees are seven times less likely to leave their current positions. Uh, Based on your extensive experience, (laughs) what's the best advice you can provide our listeners when it comes to engaging and retaining (laughs) their employees? Um, If if you haven't yet, my my hope, and I'm a holder of hope for Everyone, every everyone who's leading themselves and others through uh, these challenging times, and the challenges, even though they down down the road they might not be as great, but there will there will still be challenges. There will still be this dynamic of a need to engage people. That if if you haven't started yet, start start the process of regularly um, and openly measuring the state of engagement with your yourself and your team and make that part of the culture of the company. Mer- Mercer is just, they're, they're, they're gold. They, they, they do the research. There's, there's, there are stories that come out of the research. Um, I'll get to that in just a second. Let me just say, if you're already doing it, if you're already measuring engagement, uh, go deeper. There, there's a need for it and the opportunity for real gains to be had by involving the people more in the uh, engagement equation. Uh, and that's a, that's a communications opportunity. That's a communications challenge. But back to that one thought about how 
the insight that Mercer brings, when they took a look at what's what are the top employees uh, concerns, if you look at the top six, three of them, half of them have to do with health. Uh, mental health and both emotional health, physical health, and uh, having work-life balance. Mm-hmm. So the others, so that means of the top six, half are about money, half is about health. And I think that shines a light on the need for we as leaders and those who are seeking to improve engagement to look at the whole person, they, their social self, their professional self, to be sure. Mm-hmm their emotional self, their physical self, they're, they're telling us by virtue of this, this research that Mercer wonderfully does, is that um, it's basically employees saying, if you want me to be engaged, I, I need you to partner with me on being the, the healthiest, the, the best that I can be. So there, there's a lot of work to be done. Oh, wow. This, this has been a really insightful interview, Rick. Thank you so much. Uh, your your uh, input and insight will certainly help our audience to create healthy cultures, healthy and engaged cultures. Please tell our audience once again where they can find you on the internet. You're very generous, Yvette. Thank you very much. And as always, I thoroughly enjoy our conversations these are important i believe i really do uh, i'm rick cram uh, you can reach me at uh, rickcram.com my email address i'll share that here uh, it's rick at rickcram.com heaven help me if i ever forget that <laughs> oh, wonderful <laughs> thank I'm, you I'm, I'm on linkedin uh, uh, instagram twitter and, and uh, facebook as well All right, so they can find you. This has been Yvette Bethel and Rick Cram, and we thank you for taking the time to join us on Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Thanks for listening to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Join our vibrant network of leaders who are challenging the leadership paradigm in an innovative learning and impact network. Check out our webpage at ifbnetwork.co to learn more about and join our exciting ecosystem of high-performing leaders.